Wow. It's hard to believe this podcast began over a year ago at the height of lockdown in our area. During a time of such uncertainty, I feel so fortunate to have discovered a creative outlet, one that allows me to continue learning and sharing my passion for the natural world, no less. I had no idea where this project would take me. My only goal was to connect with people. Since we couldn't meet in person, the airwaves seemed like the next best option. Time sure does fly when you're having fun. Seasons come and seasons go, bringing with them all manner of fascinating natural phenomena. To be in tune with that rhythm is to truly feel at home somewhere, in my opinion. With that sentiment in mind, I want to dig back into the old treasure chest and resurface an episode focusing on singing insects. If this content is up your alley, be sure to check out caneforest.com, where we have a whole host of digital media just waiting to be explored. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Out and About in the Kane County Forest Preserves, where we'll tune in to the seasonal rhythm of the natural world. I'll be your host, Ranger Josh. Let's hit the trail and have some fun. too often, these are the final moments of a wayward insect that has made its presence known within the sacred boundaries of the household. And how could you blame someone for this reaction? Hollywood has made a fortune villainizing the creepy, crawly image of insects with movie titles like The Swarm, Deadly Mantis, Wasp Woman, and Empire of the Ants, while store shelves are loaded with more chemicals than I can keep track of, all specializing in terminating one kind of bug or another. Look, I get it. Insects have the potential to cause a lot of damage. Mosquitoes are vectors for disease, and termites are a headache for homeowners. But at the same time, life as we know it would not exist without insects. These lowly critters are the foundation for massive food webs, some of which we are directly a part of. Like the sweet taste of honey? Insects. Enjoy carving pumpkins come autumn? Insects. Sleep well on those silk bedsheets? Insects. My goal for this episode is not to make an insect lover out of everyone. I merely want to contribute to their pool of positive content. Insects provide a platform for all sorts of awesome learning opportunities. And considering the fact that, despite our best efforts, insects are here to stay, we might as well learn as much as we can about them. So before we gear up for an entomology lesson, let's see what's going on in the district. News from the district. In these uncertain times, our forest preserves have taken on many new roles for visitors. The woods, the prairies, creeks, and streams that make up our open spaces serve as both playground and classroom. While these lands are open for public use, the district would like to remind you that they are also preserving the land as a natural habitat for our local flora and fauna. Did you know freshwater mussels have been especially impacted this summer? It's because of improper handling and illegal collection. 
These organisms are critical for the health of our waterways and serve as an important indicator of water quality. Visitors are encouraged to explore the many wonders that the natural world has to offer, but we also need to be mindful of their other inhabitants that call this space their homes. We all have a part to play in keeping our streams healthy for the good of humans and the wildlife alike. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to have fun out there. Insects are the most diverse group of organisms on the planet, meaning there are more species or types of insect than any other animal group. In the world, there are over 900,000 different kinds of insects known. And this figure only represents the discovered and named species. Many authorities agree that there are more unnamed insect species than there are previously named by science. Looks like there's some job security for any of you budding entomologists out there. At any time, it is estimated that there are some 10 quintillion individual insects alive. That's 10 with 18 zeros behind it. In the United States, the number of described species is around 91,000, with the largest numbers falling into four distinct orders. Coleoptera, or beetles, Diptera, or flies, Hymenoptera, or ants, bees, and wasps, and finally, Lepidoptera, or moths and butterflies. Here's another way to digest these crazy numbers. There are more than 200 million insects for each human on the planet. That's 300 pounds of insect for every pound of human. Hi everyone, I'm Jeanette from Tucson, and I have a really fun childhood memory about lightning bugs. I remember being in my backyard when I was about 10 years old, catching lightning bugs, when my dad dared me to put a lightning bug in my mouth for $5. Now $5 is a lot of money to a 10 year old kid. I remember thinking of how much ice cream I could buy with that at the local Tasty Freeze, so I decided to give it a try. I popped that little guy in my mouth. He didn't taste like much, but he started to fly and I remember feeling a buzzing on my tongue. So I opened my mouth to let it out and right as it was ready to fly out, it flashed. My dad laughed and said that was a pretty good story that I had to tell. And I'm pretty sure the lightning bug had got a pretty good story out of it, too. So, we've used the term insect enough to warrant a definition. What exactly is an insect? Well, insects are invertebrates. This means they have no spine or backbone. In fact, insects don't have any bones at all. Instead, they are covered in a hard outer shell known as an exoskeleton. Insects have six legs and are broken up into three body segments, a head, thorax, and abdomen. The head is home to most of the insect's sensory organs, including antennae and compound eyes. Antennae are sometimes called feelers and are flexible appendages used for sensing the environment. Variables such as smell, temperature, and humidity can all be gauged with these fine-tuned instruments. Compound eyes are easier to understand when compared to the simple eyes found in humans. Both compound eyes and simple eyes have lenses and light-sensitive cells that collect data and send it to the brain to be converted into an image. While the human eye has a single, large lens, a compound eye is composed of many tiny lenses. 
The number of lenses depends on the species of insect. Dragonflies, for example, have some of the highest quality compound eyes, with 30,000 lenses per eye. Compound eyes have much less resolution than simple eyes, but they offer very acute perception of movement and can even recognize the ultraviolet light spectrum. This is especially useful for pollinating insects in search of flowers as a nectar source. In UV, some of those flowers will be lit up like the Las Vegas Strip. To learn more about the awesome diversity of insects in the world, let's toss the microphone over to Rachel Neff, who is currently working on her master's degree in the short lab at the University of Kansas. Her work focuses on neotropical beetles. Hey everyone, Rachel here. While my love of insects first began in the temperate woodlands and blooming prairies of Leroy Oaks Forest Preserve, my current research focuses on elucidating the vast diversity and evolutionary relationships of aquatic beetles from South America. Did you know there are over 12,000 aquatic beetle species? One of the primary goals of my lab's work is to add to this number by discovering species new to science. An undergraduate in my lab, Rachel Smith, recently published a paper describing 18 new beetle species. 18! This type of work known as alpha taxonomy, is only one puzzle piece of the research we do in our lab, however. Another major component is constructing phylogenies, or evolutionary trees, using DNA and morphological data to reveal the patterns of relatedness and lines of descent for the beetles. Creating these evolutionary trees then allows us to ask loads of interesting questions, such as, when did beetles first transition to aquatic life? Why are certain beetle species found throughout the entire Amazon rainforest, while others are only found on one single hilltop? What physical traits allow certain beetles to breathe underwater for years, while others can only stay underwater for a few minutes? How do these traits evolve? In order to find new species and answer these intriguing questions, we get to travel to some of the most fascinating, understudied corners of the globe, like French Guiana, for example. This past March, I had the chance to spend two weeks collecting beetles in the lush rainforests of the small country north of Brazil. We trekked through tangled emerald jungles and sunny tropical savannas, fervently searching for our beloved water beetles. Along the way, I got to see some mischievous monkeys, a slumbering sloth, and some other bizarre-looking mammals like the tyra, which resembles a large inky black weasel, or the agouti, which looks like a shih tzu-sized guinea pig. I was constantly delighted to spot blue morpho butterflies dancing through the trees, and somewhat less excited when I found a tarantula next to my bed one day. Even freakier was the bullet ant that we found on my advisor's hat while setting up our hammocks at a campsite. These dudes have the most painful sting of any insect, akin to a gunshot wound, hence the name. All in all, despite a couple hair-raising moments, it was an incredible adventure and we went home with our bags full of thousands of beetles. Collecting these beetles and documenting their rich biodiversity is highly important for a number of reasons. 
It is necessary to understand the vast array of wildlife that exists in a region in order to protect this wildlife and identify biodiversity hotspots. Once these critical regions of high biodiversity are identified, conservation biologists often work with local governments to push for the legal protection of these areas. Once these areas are protected, they can't be destroyed by the harmful threats of industrial logging, mining, or slash-and-burn agriculture that has devastated Amazonian landscapes in the past century. Another reason it is crucial to collect and classify the aquatic beetles in a region is due to the fact that aquatic beetles, along with many other aquatic insects, are important bioindicators. This means that they can be used to assess the health of aquatic environments. The presence or absence of different species gives us information about the water quality in an ecosystem, because different species have differing levels of tolerance to environmental stressors. In order to use aquatic beetles in this way, the taxonomy or classification of the beetles must be well understood so that people can identify them in water quality assessments. Thanks for hanging out with me today, everybody. I hope you learned a little something and that you'll notice the incredible little critters hanging out in your local streams next time you hit the trail. It wasn't long ago that Rachel was a mere intern here at the Forest Preserve District. <sighs> How our little grasshopper has grown. Boy, that's a perfect transition if I ever heard one. Let's turn our attention to the cool sounds that some insects can make. Midwest summers provide an orchestra of animal songs to sift through, and as a whole, it can be really noisy. However, once you tune your ears to the different instruments, or species in this case, playing, the concert gets a lot more interesting. A trained ear can identify individual insect species based solely on the noises they make. Insects like grasshoppers, katydids, and cicadas make noise for a number of reasons. Primarily, it is to entice a potential mate or to defend a quality territory. The louder and more prominent a male can call, the more attractive it will be to a female looking to reproduce. One interesting variable that affects these songs is temperature. Because insects are cold-blooded, the temperature of their environment will not only affect the loudness, but also the speed of their calls. Let's cover the basic anatomy that allows for these summertime serenades to occur in the first place. Grasshoppers, crickets, and katydids belong to the order Orthoptera. Many of these insects have elongated hind legs that are well adapted for jumping. Orthopterans produce sound through friction, also known as stridulation. Grasshoppers, for example, have a series of small pegs on their hind legs. These pegs are rubbed against their forewing to produce a call. 
In the case of crickets, the pegs are located on one of the forewings, while the other forewing has a flat structure known as a file. Their song is produced when the pegs drag across the file as the wings rub together. Katydids can be distinguished from other orthopterans in our area by their incredibly long antennae. In fact, these leaf green insects can also be referred to as longhorned grasshoppers. Males broadcast their loud, raspy calls from the treetops on hot, humid summer nights. In some species, females can respond to males, leading to a never ending disagreement that sounds a little like Katy did, Katy didn't, Katy did, Katy didn't. Can you hear it? Our encore for this concert will be brought to you by nature's boombox, the cicada. These are the only insects to possess a true percussion mechanism for sound production. Cicada songs begin inside a pair of drum-like organs known as timbles on either side of the insect's abdomen. The timbal contains a series of ribs that buckle, one after another, when a cicada flexes a specialized muscle. Every time a rib buckles, it produces a click, and many clicks produce a buzz. Cicadas can flex their timbles three to four hundred times every second. Cicada songs have measured in at over 90 decibels, which is louder than a lawnmower. Well, friends, that's a wrap. Next time you encounter an insect, be it on the trail or in your home, I hope you'll think about some of the fascinating ideas we discussed this episode. It's easy to write an insect off as a creepy, dim-witted pest, but they could just as easily be seen as sensory gurus or armor-plated stereo systems. Every organism has something to teach us. In the end, we're all just hitching a ride on this pale blue dot we call Earth. Until next time, keep in mind, any day is a good day to go for a hike. <laughs>